You're listening to Muscles for the Masses, the podcast. We're covering muscles, of course, all kinds of movement, recovery, and fitness. I'm your host, Julie Reed. I'll bring information you can trust from maybe new-to-you sources. Today, I'm chatting with Maria Rodriguez. Maria is a strength and conditioning and powerlifting coach and yoga instructor living in the Pacific Northwest. She teaches various classes and does personal training at her local gym. She is a competitive powerlifter in the USAPL Federation and has nationals in Spokane, Washington coming up in October. Maria discovered the gym back in college where she earned her bachelor's in fine arts, emphasizing in sculpture in Arizona. She used her creativity to create her own brand, Fear Her Fight Athletics. Maria started this company to bring awareness to the strength space for people from marginalized communities. Maria found that the practice of becoming internally and externally strong through yoga helped her through alcoholism and disordered eating. She has been doing everything in her power to be an ambassador of strength to her community, especially with Fear Her Fight, where anything is possible in striving for justice and fighting for strength. Maria and I talk about how she found movement to be healing both mentally and physically, how art influences her life, and how her athletic brand is more than just a clothing line. Maria, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Can you tell us how you got started in your movement practice? I know you started yoga in college. How did you get involved with yoga and why, why did you start with yoga? Yeah, so I was studying sculpture and fine arts and being a full-time student, but also always on campus. I was really antsy and I actually had an addiction to cigarettes and I was always going outside obviously for breaks. And I knew it was wrong. Uh, My anxiety was so bad. So like, I was just very stressed all the time. So I remember just being like, where can I go? I just want to go somewhere. And there was actually a yoga studio, like maybe a block down. So I decided to take up yoga. I was just, I just tried it out and it really helped me. It just distracted me. It was just a way to just you know, be in the moment, be more present, really focus on what I'm thinking, which actually helped my art tremendously. And so I practiced actually three times a day. And so I got very limber, very flexible. And through that, that's where I was inspired to lift weights because in certain poses, you definitely need lots of strength and when I would get into a certain pose, I would just think, oh man, maybe I, you know, I should strengthen my shoulders and strengthen my legs. And so that inspired me later on to join a gym not too far from my home. And so what did that look like for you in the gym close to your house? Yeah. So I would wake up super early to go to the gym to train. And then I would go to class. And then during class time, I went to practice. So there was clearly a void. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I definitely knew that I was recovering just from, you know, alcoholism. And I was going through horrible relationships, very abusive relationships. And I just knew that this was the only thing that could help me since I didn't have a ton of friends because it was my fault for destroying them. So what do you think it is about movement that helped facilitate healing from alcoholism and addiction to nicotine? I think there's such a beautiful science when you get to just focus on you. You get to really be your own cheerleader. No one's going to do it for you. And 
especially in yoga, there's, you know, there's a, there's a moment in time where you just breathing feels so good. And I think that's really what I needed. I just needed to slow down. And so that was a beautiful duality with strength training because in strength training, I felt empowered. I felt brave. I felt felt like I was taking up space finally in my life. I was showing up for myself. I was, you know, I felt stronger and I never felt that. And so I think that movement in, you know, someone like when I was healing, it's just something so grand. And I think people forget that after the workout, you just feel so accomplished. And I had, you know, a hard time in art school feeling that because it was just the work I was doing and producing was so laborious because all I talked about was my, was my life. And so that was I, I feel like I was just going through therapy all through art school and it totally tied in with working on myself um, with my fitness. So a couple of questions following that. Were you actually working with some health professionals at the time? No, I had no idea. I had no idea about that. I had no idea that I was even going through something as bad. I was, I remember being at home, like I was at my mom's house, like a Saturday night and I was just sitting on the couch. I'll never forget it. And I was just sitting with her in complete, just like I was comfortable. I felt safe because I finally felt safe and comfortable in my own body. And so I think like just being, I didn't even know I was going through it. I was just like, well, maybe this will help. Maybe this feels good. You know, my mom bless her heart. She was, she would just try and do anything, you know, and just be like, Hey, like, you know, do you want to go on a walk? And, you know, and I look back and there were people that really wanted to, to help me, but you know, that saying it's like, you can't help someone that's not willing to help themselves. But prior to this, definitely, I had a lot of people reach out and be like, Maria, like you really need to slow down and evaluate your life because you're just ruining it. And so, yeah, I remember just being on the couch with her and just being like, wow, I am not blacked out right now. This is really good. This is progress. And so I've always been a very intuitive person. I've always kind of known you know, like, Hey, this is probably not a good idea. And so I definitely am lucky in that sense to see that because I, you know, on, uh, on the couch, I was like, Hey, this is, this is good. Keep doing this, you know? So really movement was what you were doing to facilitate your own healing. A hundred percent. Yeah. It was the most accessible, you know, I paid a couple Bucks, you know, I had a membership. It was a very cheap, you know, like 24 hour fitness kind of gym, um, which was funny because no one told me what to do. I just kind of went in there and I winged it. (laughs) You know, I would just watch um, like these YouTube things like, oh, you know, like this is called a dumbbell row because I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea. I know that you said you made the jump from yoga into strength training because you realized being stronger would help you in yoga. But it sounds like once you started strength training, that kind of took over. Is, was that intentional or was that just natural for you? Oh my gosh, so natural. I remember yoga definitely 
helped me observe my life, observe my thoughts, and really just become more aware, even more so than I already was, and which is so great for my patients. <laughs> and so then I remember, Julie, I was sitting on like a Peck fly machine and just looking over and seeing this woman squatting 135 pounds. So just those big kind of scary 45 plates, you know, and she was just squatting in the squat rack and I was just sitting there and she was just busting out these reps. Like, you know, she wasn't, you know, she was just a beautiful, normal person wearing just like basketball shorts, like a normal white tee, just doing her thing. And I was, I just, I wish I could just tell her she changed my life. I went home. I was like Googling. I was like, barbell back squats, (laughs) how to get stronger in the back squat. Cause I just thought that was the coolest thing. And I was like, I'm going to try it. And I remember, I remember trying and it just felt so cool. And I felt so accomplished and I just felt so fulfilled because you know, my whole life, it's been like, Maria is just small and weak, you know, and especially in my relationships, you could tell that, that I just was not I was not strong. And so for this vehicle to come around into my life and just make me feel like, hell yeah, you know, like I am, I am here and I am growing. And that just felt so wonderful. It's just like a really great metaphor, you know, for my, my whole life. And so, yeah, I quickly became very addicted to that. And I was doing yoga less and less. I was part of a Friday night AA. They don't they don't call it an AA program, but similar to where the yoga community comes that really is struggling um, with addiction. And so it was so wonderful. I, I can't even describe how wonderful it was in my life. Yeah, it was Friday night and we would just go in and just practice our yoga. And it was sort of treated like a, 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 we would just sit around in a circle and just share. And then we would just start practice. And so it wasn't too much for me. It didn't feel like, oh, Maria, you're, you know, you're all of a sudden involved in this scary thing. It was so wonderful to have this accessible and for me to feel safe in my community was so important. And so I, I did that. And then I met so many great people and I noticed that I would see myself in other people. And that's when I was like, wow, Maria, like, so that was the one thing that I did not let go of as well as my strength training. So that was the one class I stuck with as far as I could until I graduated. So before, when you were talking about art school, you mentioned that you were talking a lot about yourself and that was something that didn't bring about, like, that was stressful for you. What did you mean by you were talking a lot about yourself in art school and, and kind of, can you shape or give us a, give me a, an idea of what you meant by that? Yes. So one that comes to mind immediately is, well, two. One is I made an installation on domestic violence. And so coming from a family that definitely had um, these Oh, huge blowouts with um, my parents. And so I created this installation. And for those of you that may not know about installations, it's basically a 3D um, tableau. Basically, I just created a space. You just create a space. Um, that way, the 
the viewer can enter the space and feel that they're part of the piece. And so that was really hard. And, you know, some people just didn't even, they couldn't even look at it because it brought, brought up so much and triggered so much. And I remember my friend, Billy, he just said, he's like, I haven't cried at school until I saw that piece. And that really meant a lot. Um, And my whole intention wasn't to make people cry. My intention was just to make art like this living, breathing thing. And so, so many people... Uh, see pieces and they're like, oh, that's pretty, you know, but to really feel is completely different. And so I was very, very good at sculpture and I really miss it. But then another piece that uh, comes to mind is I would just paint a lot of heartache and I would just create a lot of heartache in my relationships. So like, you know, ex-boyfriends, that stupid thing. Uh, (laughs) And so it was just a way for me to kind of heal on my own without them knowing it, I guess. So, cause it was just for me. So I, I definitely talked about my heartaches, you know, my story, my, my obstacles. Do you think you got involved in art because of your past relationships or has it always been a passion for you? Yes, it's always been a passion. I'm very creative. I, I'm in the group. I am just the most creative. They're like, how did you even think of that? I just, I don't know. I, I have that part of my brain that's really, really hot. And so I have always been creative. I actually never applied to art school because I never thought I could get in. My mom, she took all of my pieces that I've ever like done. And, I, you know, a couple of poems, um, a couple of little art sculptures that I made and she just took, it was like rock bottom at that point. Right. And so she was, she went to the school and she's like, Hey, is there any chance like my daughter could go in? And to this day, I'm shocked. I owe her my whole life. She's always been the one standing up for me and she's, you know, they're like, of course, bring her in. (laughs) And so so I was shocked, you know, she's like, Hey Maria. And at that time I was a little hesitant because I would really, all I was doing was working like three jobs. And so she's like, you should really go back to school. And so immediately, like I was on it. I was always at the front of the, you know, front of the classroom, just like ready. I'm like, yes, I've, I've given, you know, I'm given this chance. I'm not going to fuck this up. <laughs> so you mentioned that you don't do sculpture that much anymore. Do you feel like your work with in the gym has replaced that and yes. and why a hundred percent yes I get asked by my art friends here and there they're like hey have you worked on anything and I'm like yes my life <laughs> I am constantly in awe of the clients that I come across um, right now I'm actually working with the nativity center in Tacoma which is a homeless shelter basically. And so I have um, a group that I train and they are, you know, they're working on their own recovery and they're going to be doing a Spartan race, which blows my mind. And, you know, just to feel like I am contributing to their healing, right? Like my experience is now helping others just like brings me to tears. I also believe that the human body is the best machine and it can do anything. And so, you know, I, sometimes I'm crying 
because I've been training them for so long and they couldn't do an air squat, you know, when I first met them. And then finally they're being, they're, they're able to with just practice. And I think it just reminds me of how much work it takes to progress. And it's just, it's living, breathing, like evidence that, you know, with time and dedication, like things can happen. So earlier you talked about how you have stronger relationships now uh, as you've gotten stronger in the gym. Can you talk more about that and how you see that in yourself and how you see that in your clients and then even members of the Nativity Center? Yes, yes, yes. So my empathy level, my empathy graph has just skyrocketed because I know how scary it can be to come into a gym. I know how scary it can be to get under a bar that's really, really heavy. Um, And so by me living these experiences, I'm better prepared to serve my community. And so I believe that the universe did everything it could to bring me to where I am right now to be a better pioneer for what I'm trying to create and the movement I'm trying to push forward. I think for me, when I was distracted, I guess you could say, and very foggy and immature, really, I was never thinking about anyone else. I was just thinking about myself. And now I'm thinking, you know, of practical things, but also things to help my orbit, you know, um, I'm definitely taking the road of thinking less about myself, uh, I believe, and really working with other people and spending time with other people. Quality time is my biggest love language now, when before it was, I I don't even know if I had a love language because I was just so broken, right? And so really making sure that I show up for my community every single day. So I do personal training and then I also do classes it's very, it's very scary for a lot of people to go to classes, especially in a bigger box gym. And so I'm just, I'm very aware and I can pick up on things and, you know, people are like all the time, they're like, how did you know I was really, really sad, you know? And so I, I don't know. I think for me, it's very important to show up, especially as a Latina woman, you know, um, for people to say like, hey, like she looks like me and she's, she's very strong and she goes to the gym and maybe I can too. It's super important for me to take up all the space right now and to have a voice. And I think that's what Fear Her Fight is pronouncing in the community right now. And I'm super stoked on that. Well, so let's actually talk about Fear Her Fight. It's an athletic lifestyle brand. Can you tell us how and why you started the company? Sure. I was going to go to Raw Nationals last year in powerlifting, and I needed some financial help. So I was creative and I thought, hey, maybe I could fundraise a shirt. And so I just, it was very basic and it was just a black shirt with yellow writing and it said fear her fight. And so people were super supportive and the shirt sold out very, very fast. And I got enough money to stay at an Airbnb with my coach. So that was really, that was super helpful. And so 
afterwards, everyone's like, Maria, I want another shirt. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, no, it was only like a fundraiser shirt. They're like, the, you know, those words ring so true in my life and it helps me. And when I wear the shirt, I feel like such a badass. And I feel like I can just be myself like as a woman in the gym. And I was like, oh my God, that reminds me of the future I want to create. And so I thought, hey, how beautiful this this vehicle and this motto and this, you know, this inspiration to lead into my bigger picture, how beautiful. And so I thought, what does that look like? And so it start, it definitely was like, Hey, maybe I can just make an athletic line online. And I thought about it and I talked to a graphic designer. I'm like, Hey, what would that look like? Cause she really is great with websites and she's like totally possible. So we launched it and December, definitely December, but we uh, really announced everything in January. So just at the beginning of this year, I sold a couple of shirts, um, different styles, the styles we still have on our website currently. And yeah, it was super exciting. And I had so many people reach out and they're like, oh my God, this is so great. Like, and you know, especially talking about intersectionality for people that was kind of new. Inclusive fitness was kind of new at the beginning of the year, at least here in the Pacific Northwest. And so especially being in a predominantly white community, it was, I kind of saw some like head tilts, you know, I kind of saw some blank stares, but the more and more I talked about it and just really lived it, they're like, oh, okay. So I know a lot of, um, we have a lot of East Coast fans and um, we really want to try and get the West Coast as progressive because I know they have so many LGBTQ uh, gyms and, you know, queer communities and they're just so great. And so that's what Fear Her Fight really um, wants to be, you know, wants to be recognized in these communities, um, especially because I am training the marginalized communities right now. And so that's all part of it. So yeah, it was intended to just be a fundraiser shirt. And now it's, I definitely believe and can say that it's an inclusive brand that really wants to represent all women, all people, and to make sure that we take up space and we show up as authentically as possible and show up differently, you know? When you say show up differently, can you explain more about what that means? Yeah. So if you look up uh, like a hashtag on Instagram, maybe you look up strength, the hashtag strength, you will definitely see maybe two different types of people. I'm speaking on women right now. If last time I did that, it was very bikini-esque, very white, very, you know, the Caucasian person in the gym, very, very slim. And so for a lot of people, they don't feel that that's accessible at all. And so movement is non-discriminating. And we, especially in powerlifting, I believe the community is getting better at this to show up differently as whatever you want to show up as. Um, a lot of people, especially this year with Fear Her Fight, have, you know, messaged me and emailed me saying that, hey, like I came out to my family and I'm like, hey, me too. Like here we are, you know, growing up in this world, taking up space and not looking like the person when we thought was uh, labeled strong or fit. Like we want to break that mold. We want to really make sure to push, to push ourselves out there and to get ourselves 
comfortable with not caring about what perfect, you know, or fit looks like. I know for me right now, my biggest thing is I need to show up for people that look like me, right? And like the Hispanic community, especially in families, if I tell them like, hey, I powerlift and I go to the nationals, it's it's still a very traditional response. And it's like, why would you do that? You know? And so we want to be better with supporting people um, that feel like they can't show up. You mentioned that your husband helped title your company mm-hmm. in so much that he said when you're powerlifting, the first word that he thinks of is fear. What does that mean? What does that mean for you when he said that? And what does that mean for you now? Right. It was, we're, we're such jokesters. So I will admit when I get under the bar, I get aggressive and no shame there. I am just that person that can tune in and out. When I told him we were driving and I was like, honey, when you see me get under a bar, what do you feel? He's like, fear. You know, he was just like, (laughs) oh my gosh, like she is some scary monster out there. (laughs) That's amazing. And I was like, okay, I love that word, you know, and especially, you know, in women, we, the society, like they, no one, no one's going to look twice and be like, oh yeah, she's scary. But if we make it more comfortable, like not comfortable, if we make it more common that, hey, it's okay. This is good. This is all part of life. This is all part of our humanism. This is healthy. Then I think more badass stuff will get put out in the media. And so I was like, okay, wonderful. And so then I thought to myself, what am I doing with my sport? Right? What am I doing? What do I feel when I go and I compete? And I just say like, I I honestly, maybe it sounds cheesy, but I just want to fight for other people in however capacity, in whatever capacity that looks like. And so, especially in powerlifting, it is such a mental sport. It can't, it blows my mind. Um, I'm so, I'm so lucky that I get to do this. Um, even though it's very hard, I'm very lucky for the, for the challenge, but yeah, that all came together, you know, to just say like, Hey, listen to us, believe us, you know, watch out for us. Definitely make sure that you know that women are rising right now and, you know, the marginalized communities are being better represented and, you know, we're creating more space for people. And so it's just, I knew that it had so much to do with social justice. And so, especially in our Instagram, we're very comfortable with talking about topics like that because it matters, right? Like everything that's happening right now trickles down and it, we, we have to, we have to stay vigilant with that. So I definitely incorporate some politics definitely in our brand because, you know, as women, like our rights are our rights and we need to defend them. So you said something that is standing out to me that the fight means that you are really wanting to fight for others. Has there been somebody that inspired you to do that or who helped fight for you? Oh, I, I really can't think of anyone besides my mom. (laughs) You know, it was, oh, wow. (laughs) My, my heart. So yeah, it was when I, you know, when I step up to, you know, to accomplish these lifts, as silly as it may sound, there's such 
you know, all eyes are on you. This is just like a individual sport. Like it's just you, there's no team. And it's just such a beautiful metaphor to, to go out there and to have, have the guts to lift a heavy, scary weight and everyone's looking at you. And then some people want you to fail, you know, and there you are rising up and making that happen. And in the midst of that, you're inspiring other people and maybe you're, you're changing someone's life. I don't know. But if I could do that to one person, I'd, I've done my job. And so fighting for, you know, people may, that may not be able to compete, that may not be able to be, you know, there as you know, a a person of color to have that opportunity. I I just, I just want them to know if you, we can do this. I want to talk a little bit about powerlifting. You've had quick and large successes in powerlifting starting a few years ago and then are going to nationals again this fall. What has that been like to be successful at something that you didn't partake in until about three years ago? (laughs) Wow. I feel like I'm still such a baby in this (laughs) Like I have so much to learn. I feel like I'm never going to be a Jen Milliken, um, never going to be a Jen Thompson, but I'm going to be a Maria Rodriguez. And so with my story, I think, you know, I, again, maybe someone out there can really resonate with, you know, my journey and maybe I can inspire them to do something also scary, but I definitely thank powerlifting so, so, so much because it, it definitely keeps me sober, especially with competing. And then it just makes me happy. You know, it's just, it's because makes me happy because, you know, sometimes I'll go into the gym and I don't want to do it. And it's super hard, but the post training feels so dang good. And it's just that moment. And it's just that little window of being like, you know what, that was worth it. We're, we're moving on up. So they're just like every single training day is just a, it's just a small little window of realization of like, Hey Maria, like you accomplished that. Good job. You know? And so I'm so excited about nationals and I didn't think I could ever go to nationals, (laughs) Um, but it's just a great community and anyone can do it. That's the part that I love. I love, I love, I love. Anyone can do this. So earlier you touched on strength training in the Pacific Northwest and how you see it as a little bit different than elsewhere in the country, specifically the East Coast. Mm -hmm. Recently you started or you had the first annual Women's Strength Summit. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? And did did you feel like it was necessary to have it in the Pacific Northwest? Wow, really good question. I remember just thinking to myself, Hey, I just want to throw a party for my friends. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then it got kind of bigger. So little by little, I was getting and receiving some, you know, just kind of like, um, Hey, like y'all should have like a powerlifting party or, um, we should have a barbecue with everyone who competes or just, you know, small things like that. So it pre, it was created, um, with some big thinking, big, a big thinking cap, but I think the Women's Strength Summit was a combination of bringing together the community that I knew was there, but it was hard to 
experience for some, because obviously it's hard to get everyone in one place. So we decided to make it an event for strength for all. And so my idea of that was big and I wanted a lot of speakers to come, but I had to be realistic and say, Maria, you don't have that much money (laughs) and it's going to be hard to fly out like eight people. So I did my best. I did my best in finding my um, the people that are in my community that represent strength and have different journeys, have different narratives to share with the community that may not know about their, you know, their journey. And so I picked eight people and one of them was Cece Holcomb, who's a mega babe. She is a queen, <laughs> strongest person on earth. And she was a speaker. She was our keynote speaker, but also, you know, our local pioneers that represent strength. My friend Kim, who is a mountaineer and she has one hand and she's a kindergarten teacher. And for all of our women to tell their story, um, my friend Ivory, who overcame cancer and she found healing through dance, these different, these different stories is so important to acknowledge to make sure that women know anything is possible. And so I created this event. It was a one day event and it was mega packed and super fun. Um, We had my friend Bua, who is a yoga instructor from Thailand, lead us through a morning stretch and all of these women who told their stories. There was definitely like all of the attention was on them. And it was just a day of collaborating information and resources and just sharing. And, you know, just having that power in that room was huge. And so afterwards I'm like, yep, this is going to definitely be an annual thing for Mm -hmm. sure. So it was really it was amazing. I got it done. I planned it in three months and I found some sponsors to help me out. I found resources to help me out. Um, my friends, you know, Mallory Rowan, um, she's a business owner um, of LBD and she was really great while she was here, you know, just talking about business and everything was just really amazing. It was a beautiful day day. And uh, I was on a high for like two weeks and everyone loved it. And they're like, when's the next one? (laughs) So I'm planning the next one next year, June 1st and 2nd, 2019. Okay. Mm -hmm. Everybody mark your calendars. (laughs) (laughs) And it's going to be in what city? It's going to be in Tacoma where I work. Yeah. So Daniel Libre opened up his gym in Lakewood for us. And so next year it'll be where I'm working currently. It's at Tacoma Strength and it's downtown Tacoma. And it'll be over two days because I feel like some women that reached out, they said, you know, they couldn't afford to stay like nine hours. And so I definitely respect that. And I appreciated them telling me that feedback. So um, it'll be split over two days. Yeah. So you told us a little bit about the future of Women's Strength Summit. What do you see as the future of Fear Her Fight? I want to just continue helping. I found so much joy in giving back to my community. For example, we've donated to families at the border right now, uh, races that nonprofit who really helps to bring families together at the border. Um, We donated, you know, $450, you know, from our year. And so all of the merch has always gone either back into investing in 
our line or giving back to the uh, community here. Because I work with so many people, so many different people, it's really wonderful to see, you know, and for them to share their information. You know, I work with social workers. I work with... you know, you name it, uh, lawyers, doctors, teachers. And so it's so great to pick their brain and, you know, they know who and who I am and what I do in my mission. So it's good to hear, you know, what this community needs, where, you know, where fear or fight needs to go next. I'm going to Colorado, um, in the middle of September to be a part of the uh, Smart Fit Girls organization. Um, They're doing, you know, Unite for Strength event, and that's going to help fund the adolescent girls after school program in strength training. So my whole intention all the time forever will always be to bring awareness to our, our future and our, you know, our younger girls and our older women to, to show that, you know, strength is everywhere and maybe they have no idea. And I hope that Fear Her Fight maybe sparks, sparks that. Well, Maria, thank you for answering all of those questions. We're coming up on the end of the podcast. And so I've been asking some lightning round questions to every guest. Okay. Uh, What is the most memorable thing you've ever eaten? Oh man, I think it was a cricket. It was weird. (laughs) I think I was like with my cousins and we were just young. And I just remember it being really dry and crunchy and it was not a good time. (laughs) And so it was, it was a whole cricket. It was a cricket. I think it was, it was maybe drizzled with some like dry or like, what is it? Like cheese or something. Ew, God, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, they, we were being weird. And I think my, my oldest cousin got like a bag of them. And he's like, oh, I dare everyone to eat a cricket. I'm like, oh God, fine. But I think that was it. You know, I don't know when it was, but a few years ago, I saw somebody trying to sell cricket powdered cricket as a protein powder and and marketing it as a very sustainable source of protein. So maybe that's in all of our futures. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is so, yeah, this one was just not, it was hard and yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Maria, what are the three, what are three people, books and or podcasts that have been influential to you? Oh my gosh. My sister Number one, she is six years younger than me and she is the smartest, strongest person I know. And she's so mature for her age. That's totally my fault because I told her, (laughs) (laughs) because when I was, I mean, I helped raise her. My mom had to work all the time. Anyway, I would always tell her like, Hey, no, we have to, we have to be strong, you know? And, and I think a little bit of guilt is there for me because, you know, it's hard for her to show emotion, but she is definitely one person that I would just do absolutely anything for. She's, she is just the queen. Another influential person is my mom. Her story is just out of this world. A lot of people don't even know what like first generation family members are. So my, my mom, you know, migrated here. She was very young and she's been working nonstop. And when I have days when I'm like, Oh, I don't want to go to work. I have to just, I I haven't ever said that because I'm like, don't you dare say that Maria. You know, it's very like, I am able and I am 
privileged to go to work and I am lucky to have the job that I have. So her whole story has inspired me to be the best version I can of myself. Um, and then the third one, man, my husband's going to be really mad if I don't. <laughs> um, don't say his name, but you know what? I think, ah, right now, I mean, I'm, I definitely bounce back and forth from a couple of podcasts. I really don't have a favorite, but you said the other one was a book. Yeah, you can list more than three if you have more than three. But yeah, you can, uh, people, books, or podcasts. Um, okay, I'm going to go with Pantsuit Nation. Pantsuit Nation is a cool podcast about the Democratic Party, and especially it's all on women, and they interview some really, really cool people. And I've learned so much. And, you know, sometimes I may not agree with everything they say, but that's that's why, that's why I'm here. Like I, you know, I don't have to agree with every single thing, but they, their information is really, really cool. And the people they interview have so much cool stuff to say. And it, you know, it has everything to do with the political landscape right now. Um, it has everything to do with the things that I'm working on. So I just learned so much from that podcast. Yeah. And then last question, if someone came to earth from another planet, what is one thing you'd tell them? that dogs really do rule everything. <laughs> because if they saw a dog leading them on a, leading the humans on a leash, that <laughs> look pretty weird. And like, oh, wow, those are their masters. Okay. <laughs> that is so funny that you say that. I was looking at my dog this morning thinking, it is so weird to have you living in my house. And you do some of the things that I tell you. And then oftentimes I do the things that you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. I love that. So I totally get that. Yeah. All right. Well, Maria, thank you so much again for being on this podcast. I'm really excited to publish it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, that was super fun. Thank you for making me think. That's, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Muscles of the Masses, the podcast. To support Maria, check out her website, fearherfight.com, and on Instagram at fearherfightathletics. You can also catch Fear Her Fight at USAPL Nationals as a primetime sponsor, October 11th through the 14th in Spokane, Washington. If you'd like to support the show, leave us a review on iTunes, tell a friend, or buy a butt bag at musclestothemasses.com.